0: The world is still reeling at the fact that Putin attacked Ukraine. The weeks leading up to the invasion, news agencies were predicting he would not move his armies in. The world is incredulous that he would actually do this in the quote-unquote civilized age in which we live. Even after dictators like Hitler were democratically elected, the humanist mind still believes man is basically good. But the Bible teaches otherwise, as we read in Jeremiah 17, verse 10. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, the Lord Jesus Christ recognized the heart of man as being the source of evil thoughts, as he stated in Mark. He said in chapter 7, verse 20, reading from the ESV, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wicked, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these things come from within, and they defile a person. Now, it is the corrupt heart of man that is the future invasion of Israel is going to be rooted in. A man like Putin will be at the helm of Russia at the time, and we read of the root cause of the invasion in Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 10, where it says, Thus saith the Lord God, it shall come to pass, at the same time shall things come into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages, to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods, and dwell in the midst of the land. Well, this evil thought will come from the heart of the leader of the Russians, Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh. This has been the cause of war throughout history. The ego driven men, or ambition of men like Hitler, Napoleon, Alexander the Great, and now Putin, has driven men to achieve what they consider to be greatness. The Western world does not understand this autocratic mindset of a dictator like Putin. In fact, it has been this way for a long time. The world has been deluded that they will achieve peace in our time, as we remember with Neville Chamberlain just before the uh, Second World War. But go back to 1868, where John Thomas wrote of the world leaders of his day. Their leaders are all wrong in supposing that the age of conquest is past forever, and that they will succeed in establishing the freedom and independence of Europe. There never has been such an age of conquest as that which will soon come upon the world. And as to the establishment of European freedom and independence, the war to be initiated is the setting in of an overwhelming inundation that will submerge them under one of the most terrible and scorching despotisms that has ever wrung the heart of nations, End quote. This is true of the world leaders today, supposing they can bring in a new world order that will bring peace. The League of Nations failed to main peace in Europe before the Second World War, while Hitler ran his tanks through Poland. It collapsed and was dissolved. The United Nations is also failing as Putin runs his tanks through Europe from the other direction. It will also collapse another lame duck about to be plucked and cooked in the ovens of war. Now the description of the leader of the future empire of men that is eventually going to spread beyond Ukraine and across Europe is written in Isaiah 14 and verses 13 to 14. We read here, Thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Now this corresponds with the man of sin that we read in Thessalonians of the latter day as well. This was talking about the Babylonian king. But the man of sin is talking about that system that's in Rome. But also the future that's going to be in the land of Israel that's going to eventually go and set the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain, as we read in Daniel chapter 11. Well, this autocratic mindset of the dominating power in the latter days is described in Daniel chapter 8, and verses 23 to 25. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up, And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power, and he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper and practice, and shall destroy the mighty and holy people, and through his policy shall he cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many, and he shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. Now, this was the character of the Roman Empire that arose in the latter times of the kingdom of the Greeks. It is a system that is still in existence in the end when it will be broken without hand, a phrase reminiscent of the stone that was cut without hands in Daniel chapter 2 verse 34, which is going to destroy the image. There will be a king of fierce countenance which will stand up. Now the theological word book of the Old Testament describes the word fierce as when used of man a word that carries the idea of prevailing as in war or in struggle or as being belligerent particularly to God. This act of defiance it goes on to say is seen in the strong man who chooses to trust in his riches and to strengthen himself in his evil desire rather than to strengthen himself in God. Now, the phrase fierce countenance used in Daniel is actually a quote from the Law of Moses, when God predicted the eventual invasion of the Romans in judgment against his wayward people. Now, we read this in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 49, where it states, The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far, from the ends of the earth, as swift as the eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand, a nation of fierce countenance. Now, this was the Roman eagle that would descend upon the carcass of Israel and devour it in AD 70, as the Lord predicted in the Olivet Prophecy when he said, Wheresoever the carcasses, is, there will the eagles be gathered together. But notice the character of these eagles in Deuteronomy goes on to describe. It says, Which will not regard the persons of the old, nor show favor to the young, and shall eat the fruit of thy cattle, the fruit of thy land, until thou be destroyed, which shall also not leave thee either corn, wine, or oil, or increase of thy kind, or flocks of thy sheep, until he hath destroyed thee. He shall besiege thee in all thy gates, until thy high and fence walls come down, wherein thou trustest throughout all thy land, and he shall besiege thee in all thy gates throughout all thy land, which the Lord thy God hath given unto thee. Now that's verses 49 to 52. Well, this is the character of this king of fierce countenance, whose latter-day representative is found in the nation of Russia, the king of the north. This is the kind of power we are seeing arising in Europe today, showing no regard for the old or favor to the young, and devouring the land and besieging the gates and tearing down the defenses of the cities. The question posed, though, by Jeremiah that we read at the beginning is rhetorical. The heart is deceitful above all things, we read in chapter 17, verse 9 to 10, and desperately wicked. Who can know it was the question? And God answers, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the range to give to every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing." So God knows what is in the heart of man and what is in the heart of the leaders of nations and what is the destiny of the nations of the world. And the leader of Russia is destined to bring all Europe under his yoke. Now let's go back to Daniel chapter 2. Here we read of the empires of the world that are depicted by five elements which will eventually stand together. We read in chapter 2, verse 32, the head, the image's head was of fine gold, which we're told later is Babylon, the breast and the arms of silver, which we're told is the Medes and the Persians, and his belly and thigh of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. And we read, thou sawest till that a stone was cut without hands, which smote the image upon the feet, which were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then were the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold, broken in pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor, and the wind carried them away, and no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain that filled the whole earth." Now, we live in the age where iron will be mixed with clay to form the feet of the image that will basically be caused to stand up. Now, the last phase is somewhat disparate, yet pulled together to form the feet. We read in verse 43, "...whereas those sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay." Now it falls to the leader of Russia to assemble the nations together and to stand the image on his feet. He is described in Ezekiel 38 in in verse uh, 2, reading from Young's literal, Son of man, set thy face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Now he is the prince of Rosh, the ancient name of Russia, Meshach or Moscow, or the Muscovites, and Tubal, or Tobolsk, the region of Siberia. And he is the prince, which is the Hebrew word Nisi, or Strong's number 5387, which is one who is lifted up, the captain, the leader, or the ruler. Now, it's very helpful that, you know, Putin just went and wrote this great long dissertation about the Russians and he turns around and identifies Russia with Rosh or the Rus of the ancient Greek language and he said that's us, that's also Belarus and that is the Ukraine. Now he has assembled a great host to himself as we keep reading in verse 5 Persia, Ethiopia, Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his bands, the house of Tagarma of the north quarters and all his bands, and many people with thee. Be thou prepared, prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. So this is verses 5 to 7. Now, over these he is a guard, as we just read there, Hebrew word mishmar meaning a place of confinement, a prison guard, a jailer, a warden that is currently basically his mission to bring all the nations that that have spoken of in Ezekiel 38 under his control. Now this includes the nations of Magog, which encompasses half of Ukraine, Moldova, Romania, uh, Hungary, Slovakia, the Czech Republic, Germany, Romania, Poland, Belarus, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia. Gomer incorporates much of Western Europe. Roman Greece are also other major elements combined with this image. Of course, they are the legs of iron and they are the belly and thighs of brass. Now again, it was in 1869 that John Thomas, commenting on this prophecy of Daniel, wrote the following. It is impossible that Nebuchadnezzar's image can represent any other imperial confederacy of nations than that under the king of the north in the time of the end. The names given in Ezekiel's list of Gog's army are representative of the countries known to have existed under the dynastic rule of the gold, the silver, the brass, and the iron. Part of Assyria proper already belongs to the king of the north and pertains to the gold. Persia is to be with him, and the silver element, his grecianism is typified by the brass, and his Gomerians by the iron, while his Magogians, Rashai, Muscovites, and Siberians, with certain Central Asiatic tartars of Tugarma's house, are the clay, which he commingles with the iron to form the feet as the connecting medium between the legs and the toes. As then to the time and place of their existence, John Thomas continues, they are the same and must therefore be one and the same confederate power, the image being symbolized or represented by the Gogian dominion of the King of the North or the AutoCat of Russia. Now, That's the end of what John Thomas says. But when we look at this, the latter day autocrat of Russia will reign supreme over all of Europe. The finger of God has indicated a course for Russia for him to pursue. Putin looks to be commencing that mission. Whether he's the one to finish it, time will tell, but he's definitely begun it. Now, Habakkuk describes this process in detail. I'd like you to just turn up Habakkuk chapter 2. And let's just look at verses 5 to 8. Fascinating little passage. We read there, yea, also verse 5, Because he transgresseth by wine, he is a proud man, neither keepeth at home, who enlargeth his desires as hell, and is as death, "...and cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all nations, and heapeth unto him all people." Now these are words reminiscent of Ezekiel chapter 38. He continues, "...shall not these take up a parable against him, and a taunting proverb against him, and say, Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his? How long And to him that ladeth himself with thick clay?" Notice there the language, lading himself with thick clay, just like the feet of the image. Shall they not rise up suddenly, that shall bite thee, and uh, and awake, and shall vex thee? And thou shalt be for booties unto them, because thou hast spoiled many nations. All the remnant of the people shall spoil thee, because of men's blood, and for the violence of the land, of the city, and of all that dwell therein. So that's Habakkuk 2, verses 5 to 8. Now this passage depicts a ruler drunk with ambition, a proud man who cannot stay at home and will not be satisfied until he gathers all nations to himself and heaps up all people to himself. And he's described as lading himself with clay. This is the mixing of the iron nations of Europe with the clay of Russia. He is guilty of spoiling these nations and has men's blood on his hands. This is the character of the rising system which has begun to gather the nations to himself, starting with Ukraine, in a mission that will eventually see him dominate all Europe. This is what the Bible says. Now, 30 years ago, when the Soviet Union collapsed, faithless people ridiculed Bible students for maintaining that Russia would rise again. Well, are they laughing now? We should not interpret the scripture based on current events or be tempted by sensationalism or trying to find fragments of passages that appear to match what we are seeing today. Rather, we should look back into the word, observe what the Father has written, and the one who knows the heart of man and what he speaks of and what he has said, whether it is popular or whether it is not popular, that's what we have to relate to people. Now the prophetic fact is, God has predicted the eventual fall of Europe by an autocrat residing in Russia as he gathered the nations under his hegemony. That is what we're beginning to see today. Now, switching lines here a little bit, let's just look at America. The American president addressed the Union, giving his State of the Union address, and had the following to say about what's going on in Europe.
1: But I want you to know, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. When the history of this era is written, Putin's war in Ukraine will have left Russia weaker and the rest of the world stronger. well, <laughs> while it shouldn't have taken something so terrible for people around the world to see what's at stake, now everyone sees it clearly. We see the unity among leaders of nations, a more unified Europe, a more unified West, We see unity among the people who are gathering in cities and large crowds around the world, even in Russia, to demonstrate their support for the people of Ukraine. In the battle between democracy and autocracies, democracies are rising to the moment, and the world is clearly choosing the side of peace and security. This is the real test, and it's going to take time. So let us continue to draw inspiration from the iron will of the Ukrainian people. To our fellow ukrainian americans who forge a deep bond that connects our two nations we stand with you we stand with you putin may circle kiev with tanks but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the iranian people he'll never he'll never extinguish their love of freedom and he will never never weaken the resolve of the free world
0: Now here's a guy that desperately needs to read his Bible. Standing with Ukraine? How about standing back while Putin runs his tanks over the country? America has become like the bruised reed of Egypt that Rabshakeh warned Hezekiah about when the Assyrians surrounded Jerusalem. He said in Second Kings 18 verse 21, Now behold, thou trustest upon the staff of this bruised reed, even upon Egypt, on which if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh king of Egypt and all that trust on him. Well, that's the same with America today. Ukraine gave up its nuclear arsenal under assurances of protection from America and its Western allies. In Ukraine's moment of need, not one of those nations is willing to commit a single soldier to fight against Russia, except the volunteers who are going themselves. Trusting in the West has resulted in the bloodshed of today. The West is no longer willing to pay the price of freedom it has taken for granted since the Second World War. Freedom existed because autocracy was kept in check. A moral code rooted in the Bible underpinned the laws of the societies built on a biblical heritage. But today the West is in decline because of immorality and hedonism and that has affected its soul. America will continue to decline as the moral fabric of Bible values are shredded in exchange for the debauchery of lies and and humanism. God warned Israel, and the same warning rings true today. It was back in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 10 when he told the nation, When you hast eaten and art full, then shalt thou bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not God. In keeping his commandments, and his judgments, and the statutes, which I command you this day, lest when thou hast eaten, and art full, and hast built goodly houses, and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. Well, that's exactly the problem with the West. They think they have achieved their wealth and freedoms by their own hand. And God goes on to warn Israel in the same passage, verse 17, And thou shalt say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do all to at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyed before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. Well, the Western world is destined to decline because of this forgetting of God. Well, the autocratic power of Russia is destined to rise because of Bible prophecy, but only for a short time. Now, the West has gained its wealth through, it thinks, hard work, business dealings, technological advancements, uh, exploration, exploitation of resources, but also fast-talking, a little deception, appealing to the lusts of people, creating desire, and often through taking advantage of poorer countries to provide cheap labor and resources. Well, the West feels it can deprive Russia of wealth through sanctions, through kicking it out of the club and depriving it of its economic engine that drives the world. Now, many are predicting the collapse of Russia due to their economic sanctions, but the Bible paints an entirely different picture. You see, the global economy is only globally effective when everyone agrees to play by the same set of rules. The rules of the game are changing overnight as Russia casts aside the economic shackles and constraints and picks up the reins of world conquest, rewriting the, the playbook. Ezekiel and Daniel depict an empire that is bent on world conquest. Sanctions may put economic pressure on Russia, but that economic pressure will be channeled into ambition to gain wealth by conquest. This has always been the other way of gaining wealth, through conquest and oppression. Now, this might be shocking to the Western world right now, but the Bible paints the picture of Western nations asking the invader of Israel in the latter days, in Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 13, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver, gold, and to take away cattle and goods and a great spoil? Now, Daniel corroborates this accusation in chapter 11, verse um, chapter 11, verse 43, when he says, When he shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver and over the precious things of Egypt. That's when he comes down and invades. And Zechariah also says in chapter 14 verse 2, I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, the city shall be taken and the houses plundered. As does Joel in chapter 3 verse 5, you have taken my silver, my gold, and have carried away into your temples my goodly pleasant things. Now all of these depict an invader coming not to trade, but to steal and plunder. Sanctions will create need, and the Bible depicts the king of the north meeting that need through conquest. So rather than setting Russia back, they may well provoke Russia further. Now the good news is, Russia's rise will be short-lived. God will bring it to power to sanctify himself in front of all the nations, to get the attention of everybody on the globe. Mankind has ignored God for long enough, and he is orchestrating Russia's rise and fall to awaken mankind to his own existence, as he states in Ezekiel 38. We read there in verse 16, Thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land, and it shall be in the latter days I will bring thee against my land, that the nations may know me when I be sanctified in thee, O go, before their eyes. And again in verse 23, Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. He will show himself to be the King of kings and Lord of lords through his Son, whom he will send to the earth very soon. And although Russia is now lading himself with thick clay and forming the feet of the image, cobbling the iron together with the clay, the Lord will smash this invention very shortly, as is described in the second Psalm. Psalm 2, verse 6, God says, I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, and thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Interesting. Dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. The clay construction of Europe, it's a potter's vessel, and it will be dashed to pieces with the rod of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. As Daniel continues to conclude in chapter 2 and verse 35, the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, the gold will be broken in pieces together, and it became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor. The wind carried them away, and no place was found for, them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain that filled the whole earth. So we stand on the knife edge of the kingdom of God, the troubled sea, the waves are beginning to rage and roar once again. Casting up mire, that clay and dirt, as the autocrat of Russia built his image empire. And as we watch the Bible's blueprint unfold on the screens and pages of the news, we can be assured that there is a God in heaven, which in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. May God give us the strength to prepare our minds and hearts for the great day of God Almighty. May he save this earth from being destroyed by the ambitions of men whose hearts will think an evil thought and bring themselves into destruction. Amos exhorts us in chapter 4, verse 12, Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. So as we watch the Bible in the news, that is our duty, not to be armchair warriors, but to be like unto men that wait for their Lord, when He will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open to him immediately. Luke 12:36. So let us have our loins girded our shoes on our feet, our staff in our hand, and be in haste, Exodus 12, verse 10. For soon the Lord's angels will pass through the land and call his saints to him. For the Bible and the News, this has been Jonathan Bowen joining you.